from the big screen to the small screen and everything in between. This is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Screeners Podcast. This is Melody. This is Chad. I'm Chris. I'm Josh. And I'm Daniel. And we are back again, all of us together this time, to talk all things media. All right. (laughs) We are all five here. Now, it is true, there are many of us, and we do love to hear ourselves talk, but we also do love to hear from you. Best way is to visit us on Facebook at Screeners Podcast, or you can email us at screenerscast at gmail.com. So send us your ideas. That will be great. And in the meantime, let's go to Jump Cuts. So this week, we had some great feedback from our Facebook community in regards to the question that we talked about last week, which was, what is our favorite fight scene from a movie? Uh, As a matter of fact, we had some very interesting responses, starting with Rob Alderman. Rob is a a longtime listener and does his own podcast, as a matter of fact, on movies, but he submitted the worst death scene ever for his favorite fight. And this is from a 1973 Turkish film translated Karate Girl. <laughs> uh, have you guys ever seen this <laughs> yes. seen this YouTube yes. clip? It will change yes. your life. It's like the it it's the worst and the best thing you've ever seen. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm going to go watch it now. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll put it in, we'll link to it in the show notes. I didn't think about this, but then once once you've seen this, you can never unsee it. It's the it's really <laughs> fantastic. So, great pick from Rob. Uh, and then we had another listener, Don Miller, who mentioned the fight scene in They Live, the uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper film. Have you guys ever seen They Live? Yes. I saw it. It's a, it's an older movie. I, I had to look up the fight scene that he was talking about again, and it was crazy, but it is definitely 90s. So, uh, Is it 90s? Know. Is that when it came out? Or is it 80s? I think so. Is it 80s? Man, it, it felt like it was definitely old and busted, whatever it was. Oh, yes. But it's crazy. <clears throat> but yes. it's crazy. But anyway, those were two great responses from Don and Rob. Yeah, uh, we also had another response from Anthony Currington. Uh, he talked about the Matrix films. I think I mentioned them, but I totally agree. You know, they did so many creative things in all three of those films with bending space, and Anthony was just talking about how much he enjoyed those. So, uh, the Matrix, hey, right up there. I love those films and some great fight sequences, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, and my wife threw her hat in the ring with going mainstream on us with, with Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. She said Dumbledore versus Voldemort as uh, mm. one of her favorite fights of all time. I think if we're going Harry Potter, we might as well go with the climactic showdown in Deathly Hallows. Yeah, but, that's what uh, I was that's know. where yeah. I went immediately. I thought no. as soon as I read that comment, you know, I was spoilers, like, you know, but there's, spoilers. There's not there's not really a fight there though. Yeah, is there? you know, it's I'm gonna, like I'm they gonna stare actually, at each other. Yeah, I'm gonna True. have to go with your wife on this one because to me, the last fight in Deathly Hallows was very underwhelming based on yeah, what yeah. it was in the book. So, but the one, in, I agree. The, but the one she's talking about was actually pretty good. Well, I think I think the ending, uh, the the climactic showdown had a lame ending, but I think the 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 meat of the fight was pretty great. Eh. Yes, that was pretty great. But I think Rob Reed might have actually topped all of you guys because he brought up the Princess Bride, the amazing fight <laughs> oh. between Inigo Montoya and the Dread Pirate Roberts, oh. which really. Yeah can all agree certainly one of the best cinematic fight scenes in the history of ever I, so thank you for that rob i've I got a question believe what? i didn't think about that's a great <laughs> yeah. why why is it that when, whenever somebody brings up the princess bride that's always the trump card in like cultural references because like, it's the princess bride chris have you seen the princess bride <laughs> i have it's wonderful <laughs> it's right. a wonderfully charming film but it's hilarious oh, like, chris no i but. thought we were i thought we were going to be friends again <laughs> 
Because I remember high school. That was all I heard about all through high school. Everyone quoted the entire movie to yeah. me. And I got very tired of it because it's it's just a 90s movie. It's, oh, it's, like, I'm, it's from the 80s. But also, uh, I'm definitely starting <laughs> It was ahead of its time, Daniel. <laughs> I'm starting to definitely understand Josh's psyche a little bit more. Don't, I'm, do I'm don't go down that road, Daniel. You don't want to understand. <laughs> really don't Stay away. It sucked in. You don't want to consider yourself happy now. Because. Yeah. Well, that's enough for this question. It's only leading to despair. So thank you. We'll move on to the next jump cut. Number two. For our next question, we noticed that in the last week or so, The Walk was released, and it was a pretty much colossal failure in the box office. It made way less than they were projecting and probably will um, be one of the worst bombs of the recent past. So it got us thinking, are there any films that we love that bombed at the box office? So what do you guys have to bring to the table? Daniel, do you have a box office bomb that you love? Well, before I get into a bomb that I love, the number one box office bomb of all time, apparently, is the 2013 film 47 Ronin, made at a budget, uh, it was that Keanu Reeves Asian mm. martial arts sort of movie, made at a budget of $225 million. What? And it, Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Who looked at 47 Ronin and the talent involved and said, oh yeah, let's drop $225 million to make this piece of garbage. That movie I was mean, amazing. Come on, Daniel. <laughs> oh my gosh, don't even start. The dragon? Come on, man. Oh, I never saw 47 Ronin. I'm just Neither Nobody did, did, obviously. I think there's a dragon. Bomb of all time. Well, yeah. That's a fair point. Anyway, sorry, I, just had to, I was just blown away by that. But anyway, as far as my favorite box office bomb, that's really a tough question. There's a few on the list that I really wanted to like, like John Carter. I really wanted to like that. I Did love you? Andrew Stanton, love Wally, but yeah, it was a it was pretty boring and terrible. So the only one on this on the list of box office bombs that I actually genuinely love is comes in at the number twenty four, uh, which is Hugo, which is a fantastic film. And uh, I'm I, honestly, I, I guess I'm not surprised that it lost money because it's not exactly a mainstream mainstream type of movie, but. You know, it, it got 11 Academy Award nominations, so I guess they're not too sad about it. But that's an amazing, incredible film. Great uh, ode to film history sort of thing. So, so yeah, that's really the only box office bomb that I can say I actually love. That is a very interesting pick. I, I do not love Hugo as much as I thought I would and everybody else does. Heresy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. Like I've watched it twice. Now it was it was the most beautiful movie that I saw that year. I saw it in the three D it was you know, spectacular, but I just didn't ever yeah, I don't love it. I don't love Hugo. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that may be the only film on this list that was actually nominated for an Oscar. I mean when I'm looking at the uh, we have a uh, what is this Wikipedia page open, the fifty one biggest box office bombs. And of all these films, you can understand why they're box office bombs, but Hugo yeah. Is considered to be a fairly critically successful film. Most and of these Martin others Scorsese. are. Yeah. I mean, come on, yeah. right? Yeah. So, Chris, is Hugo your pick, or do you have another no. pick for your? Uh, what's no, your pick? I, no. I, I mean, I, you know, Hugo is fine. I, I, I think I, I kind of am, am in Chad's camp there. What I'm actually shocked on, and obviously people are going to have their own reactions to, but I'm a really big fan of the Wachowski siblings. Two of their films are on this, and it, it's shocking to me because I'm thinking boy, they must not be getting a whole lot of money from Hollywood, or at least they're going to be, a, you know, people are going to question. We talked about The Matrix a few minutes ago about some great fight sequences. And so both Speed Racer and, let's see here, what's the other one? Jupiter Ascending. 
mm. is on this list. And I would actually say that I quite enjoyed Jupiter Ascending. It's oh not my nice. God, hell oh my what, God. What <laughs> I wouldn't say, hang on. Just, whoa. Wow. Yeah, Chris, you're, you're, you are. You, you already grounded. said it, Chris. I wouldn't say no. no you can't. I actually, take, can't, I actually quite enjoyed it. So I didn't, I wouldn't say that I loved the movie, but again, like of all these other movies, I mean, I look at the rest of these these films on here, and none of them I actually enjoyed watching. But I had a, I had a, a fairly decent time with Jupiter Sending. Whatever, whatever. Tell somebody, hey, you have several options in your life. You should choose Jupiter Sending. No, but of the fifty one <laughs> films that are on I here, of any those are the ones that I would choose. Anything in the world would be, not be Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> Oh can, no, wait, dude! Like, on. An option let's take a look of this. like oral surgery would be better than Jupiter. Don't ascending. try and defend yourself, Daniel. Don't try. You're putting and wait, wait, your wait, you're thing. putting Jupiter ascending over Hugo. You did. I mean, that just happened. Un- it happens. Absolutely. Oh, on the screeners. Absolutely. Oh my god. And first of all, Speed, Speed Racer, Racer is awesome. It's Speed, Racer Speed Racer is great. I, again, I knew I, we were going to be there somewhere I, on that. Chat. I enjoy the kinetic nature of the Wachowskis' filmmaking, and so I enjoy both of those films. That's why I said I was shocked that they were on here, and I'm more shocked that they they just don't have they, they would still be in Hollywood having lost let's see here what is it let's see collectively yeah. Cloud Atlas did not do very well in the box office yeah. either so. and it's not on this list Where, though yeah where's that on the list yeah. although I enjoyed the budget Cloud Atlas. probably wasn't as big for that one all right. Well, thanks for that, Chris. Josh, I cannot wait to see which of these films is your favorite that you love yeah. so much. Tell us something that you loved. Well, I could probably count on one hand the <laughs> number of movies in this list that I have actually seen. Um, I was going to go with, with Hugo. Not that I loved it. I think I'm with Chad and Chris on, on that one. I liked it. It was it was fine. It was good. It was pretty. I, I didn't... It was... Martin Scorsese made the movie so he could take his kid to one of his movies. So it's not, I'm not the target audience for the movie. So it was fine for what it was, but it's the best one on this list, I would say. I guess my thing is I tend to like movies that really can't be considered bombs because they don't need production budgets high enough to like cause a blip on the radar either way, whether they fail or succeed. But apparently what did make this list and... This needs to be mentioned. Gili is on this list (laughs) because it costs seventy-five million dollars to make up on Ben Affleck and Jennifer Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It put to put makeup on them cost seventy-five million dollars, and it made seven. And that's just (laughs) how does a movie make seven? That's karma. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. How did that movie cost seventy five? They're just walking around. Like I don't understand. Like where where did that budget go? It had to pay their checks. It's the same people that greenlit forty seven Ronin for two (laughs) hundred and twenty five million. You make a good point. I, I just assume Keanu Reeves paid for that himself because he wanted to use a sword. Anyways, that's my answer. Yes, um, good an answer. answer. Good answer. Chad, what, what is your pick for a box office bomb? Well, this, this list is littered with things that deserve to be bombs. Things like Green Lantern, Cowboys yes. and Aliens, Horrible, Horrible. And one that I, I completely forgot. I, I literally forgot that I saw this movie. That's how bad it was. I don't know if you guys remember the R.I.P.D., Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I see it's on TV all the time. Oh my word! It is so horrible. But no, it's great. It's like Green Lantern. (laughs) It's terrible. (laughs) Those movies deserve deserve to bomb. But there's one movie that that I love. I mean, I I love it down in the core of my heart. 
and I didn't realize that it was a bomb. It's not talked about a lot as a movie that was a bomb, but it lost, by the time you convert it to today's dollars, it lost about $70 million, and that movie is The Iron Giant. And um, oh. it's a it's a cartoon, and that's a movie that I don't I I thought that it was a hit. Like I just remember it being a hit, but it it definitely was not. It lost about seventy million dollars, and that is a beautiful film. Have you guys seen The Iron Giant? Yeah, if that had yeah. been on this list, that would be my pick. That was a great movie. Great, great movie, and it's surprising that with as much money uh, that it lost, that it it's not talked about in that in that same regard. But that was the one; it was a big surprise for me because I I mean I love that movie, I own it, and just wasn't aware that it lost so much money. But it did. And they just re released it last weekend into theaters and did a yep. did a whole little run with it, but I wasn't able to catch it. So it's your fault. Hmm. So it lost more it's, money. Yeah, it's me. Congratulations! It, it lost more money this past week. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> That's awesome. Cost yeah. that much to make though a cartoon movie? That's crazy. That is interesting. Well, I was sure that when I saw this question, I would look at this list and I would find films on this list that I could like stand up for. Like, yeah, I loved that movie. Why did it bomb? And I looked through it and I I couldn't really pick one that I, you know, felt like going out on a limb against all of you critics out there to say that I loved. But I will say. I was surprised to see Sahara on there, not because it was a great movie, but because I can't fathom why it had a $160 million budget. Like, it's just an action film. There's a bazillion of them out there. I have no idea why that one had such a huge budget. It lost like $100 million. And I mean, I, I don't understand why it bombed like that, because it, it it's based off a of Clive Custler character and book, and it's a very beloved character so i don't know i don't know why i did so bad i don't really remember the movie but i was like why in the world did this cost 160 million dollars to make just an action flick so anyways that's all i got box office bombs for everyone and that's all i don't know what i'm saying you can cut it off anywhere in there that you want. That's the way you, you need put to something on right. That's exactly how I'll just leave That's all Alright guys, for our next jump cut, we want to highlight some things that we've been watching recently. We can't always watch the same movies or shows, so we just want to take some time and highlight some things that we really loved recently. So, we're going to start with Chad. Chad, what have you been watching? Well, I was very fortunate last weekend. I had a, uh, a shoot, a, a production shoot in Dallas, and it just worked out where every day we were done by around 5 o'clock. So I got to see a movie every night for three days straight. And so I took advantage of that, and I saw The Walk, I saw Sicario, and then I saw our, our film for tonight, our main event, uh, The Martian, which we'll talk about later. And I, I just want to say that of those three, the one that surprised me the most was definitely Sicario. I'm not going to go into it. This isn't a review or anything. I'll just say that it is a film that is unlike a lot of, of movies that you'll see. It, it, it takes a lot of twists and turns in unexpected directions. The character development is stellar. The, the performances are marvelous. Benicio Del Toro especially is, is memorable. I'm a big fan of the director, uh, Denis Villeneuve. His first two films, especially Prisoners. Enemy is a little bit out there, but Prisoners, he's just a master, I think, already at setting tone in a film, and Sicario is no exception. I think this is a, a perfect match for his sensibilities with the with the source material. It's, it's really spectacular. I have a feeling it'll be in my top ten, maybe, at the end of the year, for sure. It's the first one that I, I left the theater and was just like, wow, 
that's that is a special movie. So I, I really really liked it a lot. The Walk is uh, is something that we'll, we'll talk about maybe uh, a little later. It's I, Man on Wire is one of my favorite documentaries, and so I think knowing a lot of what happened set me up not to like it quite as much. I will say that the ending of it is is really special, but I didn't I didn't like it as much as I thought that I would. Although it seems to be getting pretty high critical scores, even though only about four people saw it uh, in IMAX, and it we'll see what <laughs> happens when it opens wide this weekend. But those two movies uh, are what I've been uh, watching lately. All right, good suggestions from Chad. Josh, have you actually been watching anything? I have been watching things at home on my couch where I normally watch things. I haven't gotten to see many movies lately. Recently, uh, sadly, all the reality seasons restarted. So around the house, we've been seeing The Voice and we still watch Colbert uh, every night. But recently, we've been catching up on stuff that that we missed. We finally finished uh, the fourth season of The IT Crowd, which I mentioned an episode or two ago which is great, and everyone should go watch it on Netflix. We're finally going back and watching The Newsroom. We're done or almost done with the first season, and it's great to have an Aaron Sorkin show to watch. Josh, do you like Uh, The Newsroom? Oh, I love The Newsroom. I love everything Aaron Sorkin has done. I never saw, what was it, Sports Night was his only show that I really haven't seen. It's great. You would love it. Yeah. Except it's got sports right in the title, nah, so I, I don't know. <laughs> come on. Don't. Oh. Yeah, it's a knock against it. You're right. That's right. It's true. But, no, the newsroom's great, of course. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just surprise everyone by going with a just – we talk on this show, this podcast, a lot about you know movies that not everyone is going to be interested in for whatever reason. We talk about a lot of HBO shows – that are out of some people's comfort zone. And you know what's a great TV show that you can just sit down and watch with your parents or watch with whoever, and it's fine, and it's not offensively bad like shows that are normally safe for family. And that's The Middle, ABC sitcom mm-hmm. that's been on for several years, and it's, it's got good writing for what it is. It's not... It's not offensive in any way. It's just this good family show that also happens to be somewhat funny at times. It's not Silicon Valley funny, but that's not everyone's sense of humor. Um, so, the middle. I'm just going to go Aww, ahead and plug wow. that. Look at that. It, wow. Yeah, Holy look at me go. Family life is funny. I feel like I need to go watch all of the middle right now. Just, just watch everyone. it. It'll just make you feel good. Make you feel better about life. You know, wow. people have been telling outside? me that for years. Yeah, my mom and dad tell me about that all the time. But day. I've never listened to any of them. But now Josh is saying it, and I feel like I oh, might have to yeah, watch it. Yeah, it's like a show that your parents would tell you to watch. You wouldn't. Ex- you would expect to like not right. enjoy it all like it's cheesy or it's but it the writing is not bad for what it is they just they wow. keep it they keep it above the belt so mm-hmm. just just, just for those keeping score at home you still haven't seen the godfather but you've seen the middle <laughs> <laughs> well i what, what can i say i'm a i'm a family friendly kind of there viewer go. there you go right i don't want right. to wake up with no horse heads in my bed it's <laughs> true all right so a surprise from josh melody what do you have for us Well, you guys know I don't watch a whole lot, but I have been watching the new Project Greenlight on HBO because 
Okay, I can't say that I've ever enjoyed a season of Project Greenlight, but I've really wanted to enjoy them all as I've watched them because I love the idea of Project Greenlight, and I especially loved it this time because, you know, it's HBO, and so I was really hopeful that that this would be, you know, just everything that I'd always dreamed Project Greenlight would be. I can't say that it's really all that great. What is, what is Project Greenlight, Melanie? To be honest. Indeed, what is it? Project Greenlight is a documentary. Uh, I guess Ben Affleck and Matt Damon produce it, so they're on it a little bit. But basically they give a bunch of money to an aspiring filmmaker, and the filmmaker gets to make a movie. And so the the show chronicles the events of this filmmaker making his movie with a real Hollywood production team and whatever, whatever. And so, budget and all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, a decent budget. I think he's getting like a million or a million and a half this season to do it. So Three, $3 million to make oh, it. Oh, three film. million. Yeah, and it's an $25 million. H- Right, not that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they said, <laughs> you know what? All the monies. You get it all. So, but I, I don't. I don't know how much you want my commentary on this particular season. But yeah, spoil it. No spoilers. All of yes. the commentary. But um, I'm not going to say I would highly recommend it. Although I'm going to keep watching it because it's Project Greenlight, and I just like it. So I, I, I like the idea of it. That's the best I got for Project Greenlight. <laughs> that's, the strangest, you guys it? that's the strangest review I've ever heard. Well, what do you, <laughs> you mean? You were like, no, I, I mean, don't you like were, it. You were just like, I don't do not. This is not good. But I'm going to keep watching it because it's Project Greenlight. The, it's like I'm confused. The, <laughs> the, so the confused. best thing about that review. The best thing about your review, Melody, is what I'm now picturing that the filmmakers are making to make you say that. And it's it's a great movie in my mind. I don't I don't know anyone else. Well, I, I will say that the movie that comes out of this might actually be pretty darn good. So I will watch the movie when it when it I, comes out. I'm watching it, too. I think the, the main issue with this is that um, the people who are actually making the movie are actually pretty competent and really good at what they do. But they're not very good at starring in a reality show. They're and not so like they've both. created they've created issues outside of the main group of people actually being creative and making the movie to throw in like drama and like, you know, the reality stuff. The reality and stuff. And it just feels a little fake. I'm just like, I'm not really interested in who's having a spat this week. I'm more interested in okay, how does the production work on a film? Uh, and they don't really do that. It's unfortunate. What you really as filmmakers it's not really all that satisfying, but if you like reality show, I was gonna say it's a reality show, not a documentary. Yeah, but well, but see, that's, that's the thing. Like the well, first, they call it a documentary. They oh, do it, they? They do. They At it. the very beginning, they call it. This is a documentary series about making a movie. That's what they. That's what they say. That's how they frame it. I'm going to go ahead and say the drama of the last two, maybe three episodes is completely manufactured and not even real, and that's just extremely annoying. Yeah. All right, so what have I been watching lately? All right, so there's been a lot of fall previews, and we talked a little bit about them last week, but uh, I'm a cord cutter, and this week Hulu oh. set out a new plan that you could pay, I think it's $11 a month now, to watch all of their programming ad-free, which is wonderful. So I went ahead and did that because it's one of the main reasons I don't click on the little Hulu icon uh, that I pay for every single month because I don't want to watch ads. 
And so just for a few dollars more a month, I don't have to watch those ads, and the barrier to entry is so much lower. Um, so I checked out Blindspot. I checked out uh, Minority Report. I watched a couple of these others. Do not watch these shows. All right. They are terrible. <laughs> they are awful and a waste of your time. Is Blindspot so, terrible as well? I knew Minority Report is, was going to be terrible. So Blindspot is very networky, and it just doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. I feel yeah. like they're trying to throw out like this this reality that uh, they're creating and then they almost instantly break it and it doesn't make a whole, it's just it's just a jumbled mess uh it just but, but they said it had staying power they did a study i have no <laughs> doubts that it will be a hit in fact i think they've already said it's a hit but it is definitely like akin to what i would say like a csi type very quick like bam 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 we're on to the next thing and i'm just like whoa you know i i'm, I'm now so used to shows taking their time that I'm like, why couldn't we just sit there and talk about this for a few minutes? You know, guys, let's just, you know, there's no way that you just jump straight into the situation, but oh, okay, sure. Let's let this person that you don't know walk into a very dangerous situation because she wants to. That doesn't make any sense. I just, it's hard to swallow a lot of this stuff. So I would say, unless you just really want to watch a networky show, uh, skip all of them. Just don't watch them. Uh, they're they're not worth your time. Hey Amen. Yeah, I, I still haven't gotten to Minority Report, and I I know it's gonna be bad, but I want it so bad. Don't do it. Don't. Yeah, do the, it. The, you the sound issue like a there, drug addict right there. By the way, yeah, I know. Want <laughs> <laughs> it so That's bad. That's coming. The, yeah, the the problem yeah, it is coming. Uh, the problem is Daniel that it just is not it. It doesn't know what it wants. It doesn't know what it wants yeah. to be. It just it's like I I want to make a good trailer slash visual um, exercise, but then, like, nothing really connects. The world doesn't feel real. Like, in the first, like, 30 seconds of Minority Report, they have these, like, pieces of technology that just look so proppy. They just look like props. They, yeah. Like, you don't... Why? I wouldn't... Uh, anyway, it's just not good. It just right. doesn't... Well, that's a bummer. So I have been watching uh, quite a lot, actually. I watched Sicario and The Walk, just like Chad, and actually my comments are pretty much right in line, at least for Sicario, right in line with what Chad said. So I don't have a lot to add other than, um, yeah, I agree. Benicio Del Toro's performance in that was really excellent. And Emily Blunt's performance uh, was especially excellent. Uh, nice. And I, I, I think she could definitely, um, she'll definitely be in the conversation for Best Actress uh, at the Oscars. So we'll see how that plays out. So it's that kind of movie. It's an Oscar type of movie? It so, is. Uh, it's not an Oscar type of movie, but it's going to probably be nominated for sure. Well, that's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what I mean. It's, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. It's an Oscar caliber. Caliber. Uh, it definitely yes, is. I think okay. so. Definitely. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Okay, great. Well, that that makes it even more exciting. I want to see. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then for the walk, I was uh, I, I like Chad, I I love Man on Wire. So, I was Honestly, pretty excited for The Walk, actually. And I really love Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's one of my favorite actors. But The Walk, I enjoyed the end of it. You know, you, everybody knows it's a big buildup. You know, you're building up to, to The Walk. But the whole rest of the movie was just uh, just kind of weird. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt was surprisingly really bad in it. Uh, so, But, if, you know, you have to see it in theaters. They said it bombed. But that was only in its IMAX release. It comes out wide, I believe, next week. I could be wrong on that. Uh, this weekend. Um, this weekend. This weekend. Mm -hmm. So it comes out this weekend. Uh, so you definitely have to see it in theaters. If you wait till DVD, don't, don't even waste your time because uh, it will be 
really lame on DVD. The only thing worth seeing are the amazing 3D visuals and seeing it on a huge screen. That's the only thing that's going to make it worth it. Because I totally that's agree point. with that. The last the last 20 minutes, The Walk, is worth the price of admission. Definitely. It's stunning. I agree with that. No question. Yeah, so that's that's really all, all it's good for. The, the, the last, I don't know, 30 minutes or something were really spectacular. The whole rest of the movie is, you know, take it or leave it. Not horrible, but it's just take it or leave it. So, and then and then the last film I'll, I'll mention, uh, I saw Bridge of Spies this week, the um, Spielberg, oh. Tom Hanks film. You so and I won't, your early Shut screenings. your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely a Spielberg movie. It felt very true to the last few movies he, he's made. Very, you know, I think it was the story that really uh, pushed this one over the edge for me. It was very interesting. So we're going to talk about it later on in the main event in a few weeks here. I think it comes out in the next two weeks here. Let, we'll definitely be excited to review that one because I... Uh, I'm excited to talk about it. And with that, we'll move on to our next jump cut. Alright guys, so the next jump cut, we're going to be talking about Destiny, the Taken King. Here is the Metacritic summary of the Taken King. <laughs> oh my King. gosh, we need a whole summary too. <laughs> this is going to be great. Madness. Wait, wait. I've, hold on, I've been playing this for over a year. I need to hear this. So I know. For, for those who don't know, this is a video game. Warlocks now harness the form from gravitational void energy and Titans summon a flaming hammer that can sear their adversaries from a range or deliver a devastating melee impact. Destiny is a video game. It is a semi-quasi multi uh, massive online player game I don't slash even know the words I don't know what's happening <laughs> let's not even talk about this guys this is gonna get me in so much trouble here's oh the no trouble. this is beautiful let this me, is the whole beauty me, of it continue me, Chris dig that hole dig me, it let me fill the audience in okay so from way back Chad Josh and I have played video games with one another for what? What would you say, guys? The last ten years? It's been ten years. Xbox Live. Yeah. Yeah. So about ten years. Castle Wolfenstein. Yeah. Just we, we, about the time we got married. <laughs> we played. We played. <laughs> played Wolfenstein. All the modern Halos online together, and then Destiny came out last year. And it has sucked the time out of our out of our free time, and uh, we've spent a lot of time with this game. And about three and a half weeks ago, uh, the latest expansion came out for the game entitled "The Taken King," and so I thought we might take a little bit of time and just chat a little bit about our impressions. If we like it, if we don't like it, if it's made the game better or worse or whatever. So, Chad, what are your thoughts on Destiny? The Taken King. Well, as much as I would like to talk about it, I'd really like to focus more on how it is destroying all of our marriages. Why are we talking about the problem with that topic? Is there's only one of us who has a wife on this podcast? The other two of you don't have your wives. The only difference is our divorces don't happen on a podcast show; they just happen behind the scenes. We had to get ratings, Chris. Someone had to go under the bus, and you're the only one with a wife on the podcast, so we're sorry. Well, but it's for the greater good. Let me just so. say this. So as far as the people that – because we do have a lot of gamers that listen to the show. Totally. Uh, I, think, I think for sure The Taken King is what this game should have shipped as a year ago. It finally has a lot of the mechanics that were very frustrating are, some, are essentially fixed. Everything that you do now seems to give you a sense of progression, which is great. But just 
just like every game, really, a multiplayer game, it's really only as fun as the people that you're playing with. And so, I, you know, I very rarely... So you're having a miserable time? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm having a great time. I'm having oh. a great time. No, the truth of it is, is it's actually... a a gorgeous game as a shooter and it's finally starting to maybe come around to some of the potential that it has uh, as an MMO. So it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's it's a lot of fun, but yes, I would say that if I were to take the ratio of arguments that my wife and I have had over the last year, it's going to be about 80% have been around Destiny. So other than that, <laughs> it's super awesome. <laughs> yeah, no. when she listens to this podcast, it may start another argument. So what are you going to do? <laughs> So here we are. Josh. We we I made my bed, I'm lying in it. Josh. <laughs> Josh, what do you uh what do you think about Destiny the Taken King? My wife is in the in the next room and hopefully she's just not spoiling this segment for herself right now by listening to me. But <laughs> All right, Josh. Come on. So I'm gonna have to agree with Chad on this as far as the actual the the game review part of this segment, in that when Destiny came out a year ago, we had to review it because it was this big thing. It was Bungie's game after they abandoned Halo and they were going to do this and they were going to support it for five, ten years, whatever they were going to do. And it came out and it was, I'm not going to say it was bad, but it was, it got very old very fast. And we kept playing it because we're like drug addicts and we enjoy playing with games with each other and there wasn't much else out in the multiplayer space. And this had just enough RPG element to keep us, keep us involved but the Taken King is absolutely what this game should have been. They just they turned they took the dial labeled crack and they turned it up to eleven, mm-hmm. and all the progression stuff, all the things that make you feel like you're playing an RPG are there. And I am personally just amazed. We've been ragging on Chris this whole time. I'm amazed he has stuck with it this long because I remember in college, Chris. And some people buy games more often than I do, and Chris is one of those people. And so it's not as big of a deal to him. But Chris bought Final Fantasy X in college and played it for what must have been all of 20 minutes and was like, I can't stand this, and gave it to me. (laughs) And that game got me through first semester of freshman year. I played that for whatever it was, 100, 200 hours. And by now, Destiny has about tripled the amount of time I have put into any RPG so far, and yeah. I've played... Let's not talk about time. Let's not talk yeah, about time. Yeah, I think time. we should all share. Oh, oh, yeah. I think we should all share the amount of hours. Hundreds. And listen, Chris is not only listen, just stuck with it. Chris is like doing research he's like our he's our destiny scientist he's like putting he's like sending us yeah he's like sending us videos and strategies it's amazing chris is literally the general of our team so thank you sir and when i say tripled i'm not kidding because it keeps track of how long i've been playing it and it's been 300 hours and i'm very ashamed of that number but for 300 hours that is I'm going to tell you the lowest number of any of the three of us in this. Oh, you know, yeah, I was going to say, Chris, what's Chris's number? This is not I don't fair. know. I know Chad's. I forgot to check Chris's. That's oh, shameful. Daniel, are you is absolutely excited about this conversation? I love it. Daniel left the podcast. <laughs> Daniel's like, I'm out. This is ridiculous. All I can say is for the sake of my marriage, I'm never playing Destiny. That's, a good, totally, that's a good call. That's a, 
Dick. All right, so I have played a total of 650 oh. hours. Oh. Dear God. 670 oh, hours. Yes. <laughs> 670 <laughs> hours. I'm, I'm doing some math. How degrees could you get with that, <laughs> that time? That is awesome. <laughs> Chris likes to listen to Destiny podcast. This is not a fillet, Chris. This is so awful. Driving places. I'm quick. Back the other night, we were on a on our way to a date night. In fact, and he didn't have his headphones with him. Usually, he brings his headphones for these date nights. Research missions. But on this date night, there were no headphones, so I got to listen to a Destiny podcast, and it was the saddest thing I've ever heard. This apparently he's one of the creators or designers, and this guy is talking about how literally it's his, it's literally his whole life between the hours that he's working on destiny at work or playing destiny at home or wh- whatever the third thing was that also has to do with destiny he does nothing else in his life Thanks. and it was very sad it was very I sad thought, i think what we're trying to say I chris we is, <laughs> is we all love you very much and this is an intervention Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, fine. I, I'm I'm done playing Destiny though. No, you're not. Yeah, right. We gotta finish recording. We gotta go. We gotta go run on a strike. So, Chris, what do you think about Destiny? <laughs> the Taken King improved the game on every single level. It turned a six out of ten game into a nine out of ten game, uh, and uh, I enjoy playing it with you mainly because I enjoy spending time with you guys. See, I don't see it as spending 670 times. If if I was sitting in a dark room by myself being antisocial i would say that's a problem. Uh, however i'm spending time i feel like i know you guys so much better than i've ever known you before <laughs> because destiny has improved our friendship i mean now we do things socially we see each other more often in real life even right we we get excuses to get up and to, to go see you in atlanta and we see we, we actually now do this like holiday thing together i'm telling you it's because all of because destiny, destiny <laughs> has brought this. us together i can get behind Made us better friends. I agree. Um, well, don't try. It it seems to. No, hold on. We're gonna need to hold on to that when we're in our divorce group after it's over. (laughs) Exactly. Our divorce support group. (laughs) But but, but, but guys, we're seeing each other a lot more, (laughs) and I'm getting to see my kids next weekend. It's awesome. I would like to point out that the linchpin of your argument there was that we play it together and you have played literally double the hours that I have played. And so by definition that can't be all time spent playing. I think we've spent too much time on Destiny. I like how this is going. (laughs) That was the saddest and messiest segment I've ever heard. (laughs) Thank you, Daniel. You're welcome, world. Number five. Our next jump cut is our regular Chris Farrell special. And it is as follows. What is your favorite film featuring Kevin Bacon? Bacon. Mm. Kevin Bacon. Dig deep for this Ooh. one. Melody, what is your favorite <laughs> film featuring Kevin Bacon? I mean, it's a little film I, uh, that's called In the Cut. And with <laughs> I'm just kidding. That movie is so bad. I don't like Kevin Bacon, you guys. I know he's what? in everything, wow. uh, but he's kind of gross and it's just a little creepy. Uh, wow. But since he's in so many movies, obviously there's good Kevin Bacon movies. So my pick would be A Few Good Men because that's an excellent film and he's not too prevalent in it. But if I have to pick one that he is like the main character of, then I would pick Stir of Echoes because that's really good too. Oh, huh. Uh, all right. Yeah. Interesting. The- the backstory to Melody's first answer there was in the cut. 
Chris, Melody, and I watched in college, and it is the only movie I have ever seen them turn off in the middle of it because it was so bad. In every way, it's terrible. Hmm. All right, moving right along. Daniel, what is your favorite film featuring Kevin Bacon? Bacon. Bacon. Is that going to happen every time? All right, so... so. Yes. So I almost went, it was almost a fight between Apollo 13 and Mystic River, but as I was scrolling through his filmography, because who remembers <laughs> all the movies Kevin Bacon was in, I remembered that he was in one of my favorite movies of all time, no joke, top 10 for me, that it went way under the radar, and that movie is Crazy Stupid Love. Oh. Yes! So, Chad's with you on that one, actually, yeah, if I remember that right. One. Yes, that is a great movie. That movie is fantastic. It's like almost the ending is almost Shakespearean. Everyone in it is fantastic. And honestly, the message of the movie, it has a really great message of, of love and commitment to marriage and, and things that you don't really see much uh, in mainstream movies. So I really appreciated that. So, yeah, that is definitely uh, I could talk forever and ever about that movie because I really genuinely love that movie. But I'll. I'll leave it right there. I love Bacon, that movie. That movie is wonderful. Great. Yeah. I thought that was going to be another uh, San Andreas moment. So I'm No, there's only that. one San Andreas. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's great. That, and that is a, that's a very timely answer, Daniel, because the first sentence to that to Crazy Stupid Love's IMDb description is, a middle-aged husband's life changes dramatically when his wife asks him for a divorce. <laughs> Which segues into Chris. What is your favorite drink, Kevin Bacon? Oh, okay. Um, mine would be X-Men First Class. I enjoy that movie. And uh, I thought he was oh, a really... Oh, you're serious. He was a really good villain. I enjoyed his, his specific role in that uh, in that film. So yeah, I would go with X-Men First Class. That was a really good movie. It was it was great. It was a good movie. I thought that was another in the cut moment. You're you're like serious. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm totally serious. It's a good yes. movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, the director went on to make Kingsman and uh, I just like his style, his his directing, all that is just really uh it's fun. I I had a good time. Maybe I should watch all of it the next time it's on HBO rather than 5 minutes of it. Oh my gosh. There you go. All right, Chad, are you going to save us by uh, calling out R.I.P.D.? Oh, man, you know how it has a special place in my heart. Well, as usual on these kinds of questions, I go back into the wealth of experience that I had while you guys were just specks in your parents' eyes. And so for me, clearly, the the early to mid-'80s were a time in my life where I was 10, 11 years old. Movies were a new thing that I was getting to experience, and so there are two movies that are neck and neck, and then there's a clear favorite. I'm sure neither of you, I'm sure you guys haven't seen you, Whitewater Summer. Have you guys seen Whitewater Summer? No, you have. Of course mm-hmm. you haven't. It was, but I was alive. It's a camping movie <laughs> that they marketed as if it was like this kind of outdoorsy adventure, but the actual movie itself, he's the villain, like he's like almost tormenting this kid because he's like a a, a kind of a dorky guy who doesn't want to go outside much and it's terrifying when you're a 12 year old kid watching this movie so it's really great so that's whitewater summer another one that i think you guys probably have seen is tremors i loved tremors it was like jaws in the desert right but the number one movie was the number one movie that i saw in when i was actually looking through his filmography which was footloose i know it's cliche but for me in 1984 I was nine years old in 1984. Just wanted to dance. And that was it, man. And I had a lot of parallels with my life in as much as you had a small town, family of a minister, super conservative, 
and that movie just was hit me at the right place at the right time. Not that we thought anything was wrong with dancing or anything, but there were just some parallels, uh, and it was just awesome. And you know, the dance line at the end, what are you going to do? It's great. So for me, it's it's always going to be Footloose. So over Apollo 13. Well, see, I don't I don't count those. Movies like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Frost, Nixon, A Few Good Men, those are clearly better movies, but they're not a Kevin Bacon vehicle, per se. All right. True. <clears throat> well, thanks, Chad, because um, I was going to say Frost, Nixon, because that's all I got out of this list. Because um, <laughs> I know he's been in everything, but I've looked through it all, and it's... Slim Pickens, because out of 80 movies, maybe I've seen three of them. I, I don't know. It's, wow. It's pretty low. Wow. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go with Melody. I don't like Kevin Bacon. He kind of looks like a, a, a young Crypt Keeper. Yes. <laughs> crypt Keeper. What? Let's exactly. move on. Let's move on right now. What's happening? Yeah, let's move on. Frost Nixon. Good movie, if Good I remember movie. it properly. Yes. Good movie. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, like you said, it's not really a Kevin Bacon movie, but he was in it, so it counts. Well, that'll do it for jump cuts. I'd like to thank everyone for sticking with us through um, Kevin Bacon and Destiny in the same. I don't think anybody's segment. listening anymore. I'm pretty <laughs> sure they're not. But I'm not. Maybe listening. we can just cut this off in its own episode and talk about The Martian. Welcome to the main event. I guarantee you that at some point, everything's going to go south on you. Ready? And you're going to say, this is it. This is how I end. Commander, Mark is dead. We have to go. Now you can either accept that, or you can get to work. This will come as quite a shock to my crewmates. And to NASA. And to the entire world. But I'm still alive. Surprise. Here's the rub. It's going to be four years for another mission to reach me. And I'm in a hat designed to last 31 days. So I got to make water and grow food on a planet where nothing grows. But if I can't figure out a way to make contact with NASA, then none of this matters anyway. We've got an incoming message. Mein Gott. <laughs> Mark Watney is still alive. Woo! In your face, Neil Armstrong. There must be some kind of way out of here. Okay, so let's do the math. I have enough food to last for 50 days. He's going to starve to death long before we can help. So I'm going to have to science the shit out of this. He's 50 million miles away from home. He's totally alone. What the hell is he thinking right now? I am the greatest botanist on this planet. The IMD description for The Martian is, During a manned mission to Mars, astronaut Mark Watney is presumed dead after a fierce storm and left behind by his crew. But Watney has survived and finds himself stranded and alone on the hostile planet. With only meager supplies, he must draw upon his ingenuity, wit, and spirit to subsist and find a way to signal Earth that he is alive. Brand new movie starring Matt Damon, directed by Ridley Scott. Can't wait to hear what you guys thought of this film. So, Daniel, what are your thoughts on The Martian? All right, so as I've mentioned on the podcast, I do get to see movies early. Blessed to live in Atlanta, big city, and so it's, uh, it's, it's nice to be able to see movies before they come out. And from time to time, celebrities or filmmakers happen to be promoting their movies, and they'll come to these screenings. So a few weeks ago, 
I got this email inviting me to a screening of The Martian with a very special guest. And so my wife and I arrived, and we were super excited. You know, Matt Damon or Ridley Scott or one of these people. And come showtime, who should walk out but a dude from NASA? Not even an astronaut. Just So much better! <laughs> well, you would think so, but, um, you know, all he was there was to, to, to pitch us the idea of going to Mars for real. So mm. I was a, a little bit bummed. He was a cool guy, but, you know, I was a little bit bummed. But then the movie started... And I totally understood why they had the guy at the screening because he and the movie made me want to go to Mars. The Martian is absolutely outstanding. Um, and it, it's so good, it's hard to know where to begin because I, I, there's nothing I disliked about it. The trailer hinted at the humor, but it was still so much funnier than I thought it was going to be. And honestly, that's what separates the movie above most of the sci-fi films out there right now because most most of them are, are humorless. Intercellar, great, great movie, but there's it's just, you know, deadly serious. And so that's why I really loved The Martian, because it, it wasn't afraid to be funny. And and, and the tone of this film, uh, the, the tonal shifts it makes are, are uh, incredibly handled. It has a great grasp of tone, and it shifts seamlessly between humor and sadness and, and even the boring science parts, which feel realistic to someone who's extremely unscientific like me. Uh, it, it was so enjoyable. Um, and I never felt like the humor or sadness was out of place with the rest of the film. It, it was completely seamless for me. And um, I was trying to nitpick the visuals even and, and, and figure out, you know, where something was a oh, terrible green screen or, or terrible CGI. But honestly, I, I, the whole thing was beautiful. Um, I really loved the visuals of the whole thing. And then the performances, uh, Matt Damon's performance is incredible. I don't think it's going to get a lot of focus in terms of Oscars or, or, or what have you as much as some other performances because it, you know, it was humorous and the and the academy doesn't usually like humor humorous roles like that but i really loved it and not only was it funny and and well acted there were some really honest moments there and emotional moments especially near the end and and um i thought he did a fantastic job so overall it's a very well done film weirdly inspiring even uh though it's about a disaster so but yeah i really could not be more happy with the martian awesome awesome chris I'm sure you hated this movie, so tell us how much you hated it. You know, when I, I actually did the rundown for the show, uh, and I made sure, because I wasn't sure if Josh had seen this or not, I made sure that I went before Josh, because I wasn't sure I'd be able to handle any kind of negativity toward this movie. <laughs> this is literally, and Josh, I really do feel like you will say the same thing after seeing it, this is sci-fi at its finest. It is uh, the reasons why I love Star Trek. Uh, it's the reasons why I, I love that kind of storytelling where you can place someone in a situation where they have to use their resources and become better or bigger um, than they thought possible. It's an inspiring film. It's a science fiction film with an emphasis on the science part of that. I mean, there are an incredibly vast amount of details that the author of the book, Andy Weir, went into. Now, I read the book a few months ago and fell in love with it. Uh, the character of Mark Watney is one of the best characters ever written, in my, in my opinion. He is likable. He is somebody who you want to actually spend time with uh, alone in a, like a deserted space because he's, he is, he's real, but he's also got a positive outlook on, on life and that kind of can do like, I'm going to be the best I possibly can be. And there are some lines in here, you know, I'm going to science the expletive 
out of this. That one is, you just cheer for the guy. You want him to do well. You you want him uh, to succeed in everything that he does. I felt like this entire movie was just full of life in the best way possible. You know, it's great that all of the things that have been happening in uh, the real life headlines, the lunar eclipse that happened uh, a week and a half ago, the finding flowing water on Mars, and now this book and movie, I feel like is hopefully going to give a shot in the arm. And I can I can understand why NASA, like you were saying, Daniel, wants to promote this film heavily because it is definitely pro science, pro-humanity, pro-space exploration. I mean, it really is all the good things about who we are as a species and why. Just It, it just makes me so excited. I, I hope, I genuinely do hope. I mean, the, the film itself, the performances were just spectacular. Um, you know, Mark Watney and Matt Damon are the same person. I mean, that just, he embodied that character so well. The other performances as well were just spectacular uh, really out of this world there's only a couple of blips that I, I, I could have done without um, that they kind of went a little too movie on but I, I felt like for the most part they did a really good job of keeping it grounded I read uh, listening to another podcast this afternoon and they mentioned this and I, I thought it was a really good point and I'll mention it here and that is that there really isn't a villain in this movie there isn't a, a person in it happened a mustache thinking oh, I'm going to ruin everything or you know I'm greedy and so I'm going to destroy this because I'm greedy it's truly nature versus man and other people trying to help that one person do everything they possibly can to 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 save him and it is wonderfully glorious mm-hmm. well that was that was well said and inspiring honey so the question becomes Josh are you going to break Chris's heart that was that was very eloquent, Chris. <laughs> I'm, I just got to get it together really quick. Yeah, Be quiet. I, dude. New faith in humanity. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I got. No, I, I want to see The Martian. I have half of a good reason for not having seen it. Um, I was going to see it during the week, and then the showtime I was going to see it at got yanked during the week, which is a practice i don't remember back from back when i used to work at a theater well so josh that is sad that is almost sadder than you not liking it then (laughs) glad glad i didn't disappoint i i hope that you will get to see it soon all right chad what did you think of the martian well i saw the martian in a one of the amc theaters it's like a dine theater you know dine and dine cinema kind of deal and i used to i'm all for the idea of doing whatever it takes to get more people to continue to experience films in a theater because I don't there's just nothing like it but I have turned the corner on those places those those things are garbage I absolutely hate them I was so distracted during this movie because we always had people coming in to take orders and reorder and the person next to me is like I ordered the Caesar salad and I was just like halfway through this thing I was like I why did I do this to myself I thought this was a good idea so I was fighting the elements trying to watch this movie but that said I think the major point that the guys have kind of hinted at here with this movie is that it is not your typical dour sci-fi film. It has a lot of humanist sensitivities to it. 
and it's delightful. It is it's it is definitely a movie where you cannot help but feel good, but feel hopeful. I mean, not to be too hyperbolic, but it's like a breath of fresh air watching this movie. I mean, it's one of the thing yeah. one of the things I did like about it is that it didn't fall into the to the trap of just conventional uh, survival film tropes. Now, there were a few things that were kind of conventional, but I went into this movie, and in the first 20, 30, 40 minutes, I kept waiting for the thing to break or the thing to explode or this movie contrivance to happen, and it just never it just never came. Now, yes, there were some certainly some obstacles that had to be overcome without going into spoilers, but for the most part, I love the fact that in this movie, science is glorified, that the action that happens in this movie is the action of this man using his mind to solve the problems that are in front of him, and it's exhilarating. It is as exhilarating as traditional action film stuff, to, or it was to me, anyway. This is, I, I couldn't help but think that this is a movie I want my son to see when he's old yes. enough to see it. I was yep. like, I want to take my oh, yes. child to see this movie. I, I, it, it made me feel like, and you know, there's an intrinsic kind of, feeling that we all get when we watch anything where like all of humanity and all of the world is rallying around a cause and in this case the cause is trying to bring this man back but my i'm sure it happened in your theater too we cheered multiple times i mean multiple times Mm -hmm. we were clapping and cheering and just over the smallest kinds of things the performances back on earth i thought were wonderful just across across the board uh chiwetel ejiofor i thought was great uh kristen wig is in here she was great um, it's just it's just a movie that it subverted so many of those built-in movie expectations. It was full of so much hope. The 3D was completely justified. I don't know if you guys saw it in 3D. Oh yeah, but I saw it in 3D. It was gorgeous. Um, Especially at the very beginning, there's a, a sandstorm that happens oh, yeah. on Mars, and, and man, it's crazy. It's it's wonderful, great. wonderful. And to pick up on what Daniel said, I was not expecting the humor genuinely funny like laugh out loud funny moments so it's when we get into spoilers we can be a little bit more specific uh, about some of the things that I really liked and some of the things that I didn't like as much I I do wish we maybe would have spent a little bit more time with the main character I wanted to I was I was so into the world that I wanted to find out a little bit more about him who he was but overall I absolutely love this movie. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, and I and of course, yeah, and I and I will. It's just such a great. I feel wonderful when I see it, and and Ridley Scott did a one. In my opinion, he he is a director who historically can bring a lot of attention to his direction, and I thought he was very restrained in this movie. I thought if I didn't know it was a Ridley Scott movie, I would have never guessed it. It was just. I was yeah. going to mention that his thumbprints are not really on right. this. That's right. That's right. Performances are great. So, so overall, I mean, I think I hate to just ring the same bell everybody else is ringing, but wow, did I love this movie? And I'm going to see this movie again in the theater because it it deserves it. It was just just a delightful experience. Yeah, I I agree too, and I won't rehash everything, but it was excellent. I knew like I knew I was going to love it. I hadn't read the whole book, but I had read part of it, so I I knew like the character, and I knew that all of the science behind the movie is is very real. And I think that's what made it so compelling is it felt like you were watching a historical, like, account of something that had happened because it felt so real. It felt like you were watching, like, Titanic or Apollo 13 or, like, one of those 
movies that's chronicled something that's already happened because it feels so real and it feels like it could it could have happened or it could happen in the future and so i think and and i will say like and chris said this after we left the theater he's like there wasn't one time in that movie where i didn't completely buy that yeah. they weren't shooting it on mars and i was like Definitely. you're so right like it did, didn't even cross my mind like didn't they shoot it on mars like it's that like you buy it that much yeah and I, I just think like the buy-in of what's going on like is so complete, and I feel like all of the performances in the movie were were good. They were great because they didn't stand like I don't think anybody stood out except for Matt Damon. I think no character stood out like oh that was really good acting there. It just felt real. It just all felt real, and Matt Damon was obviously amazing. So yeah, I loved everything so, about it. So here's my question. This is the main question I have for you. How was Jessica Chastain? I mean, like I said, it could have been anybody playing that role oh, because the role did not have any sort of. Oh character. man, I thought she did such a good job. I really did. I mean, anybody could have done that role. It would have been fine. I'm pretty sure I couldn't have done that role. It wouldn't have been. Yeah, fine. just. Saying. I think that would have been awesome, actually. It's true. Anyways, she was fine. She was fine. She didn't stand out in any great way. I have to say, Daniel, I really do hope that this movie gets nominated, that Matt Damon gets nominated. I, oh, me too. I hope so, yeah. I mean, it's I'm, the best of what film can be. Like, I just, it was so good. Yeah, I agree, man. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, the Academy generally doesn't like movies as humorous as this, but I, I, I'm with you. I hope this is uh, going to get a lot of nominations. So, Chris, how did the book compare to the movie because i generally it's a discussion for another time but i try to avoid reading the book before seeing the movie just so i can have a clean slate for the film so That's what did you the think right that? way to do it yeah well okay so here's the deal like i was looking for a, a book to read and that just caught my eye i didn't really think a whole lot about the fact that the movie was going to be coming out so soon i thought there was more time i'll be honest with you i feel like they're both spectacular Um, This is one of those cases that I feel like the movie is just as good, if not maybe better than the source material, but the source material is still really spectacular. And, you know, you'll, you'll, um, there's a couple of moments in the movie that seem really unbelievable. In fact, there was a gal that we saw the movie with and afterwards I asked her a question and everybody was like, thought I was like offending her. I said, did you understand a particular point in the film and there was like oh you do. but what i meant more along the lines is that in the book there they spend so much time talking about you know like where he got the potatoes um because if you watch that you're like well he, real potatoes wouldn't even be in space why did he even have a potato there but when he pulls it out you see written on it is for thanksgiving because their their trek their, their their space voyage was supposed to be over the time that they would be you know there's a thanksgiving there and so they were going to save that so they have real food during thanksgiving and he thought ah what can i grow that i have you know that wouldn't be you know fake i can use this you know these potatoes cut them in half and they just explain all of that and so you know there's some things that just happen really fast in the movie that i understood that i was kind of like jig not you know giggling at but like at least nodding my head like yeah i know the backstory of that but you really don't need that in the movie you know what i mean it just happens and it's justified and if somebody says why did that happen it's very easy to say well because he knew this and you're like oh okay that does make sense they just fill in those gaps that's all i would say is is that the book fills in the gaps um it's a little bit more lonely at the beginning of the book in fact i think for the first maybe seven or eight chapters 
you don't even know that there's going to be anybody else in the book other than Mark Watney. Uh, you think you may the entire book may just be lead, reading his his daily journal because that's what you're reading is his daily journal in the book. All right, so maybe we should go to spoilers because I'm sure there's stuff you guys want to talk about, uh, and I'm pretty sure we'll all have the same answer. So, but before we go to spoilers, we have to do our usual question: Would you recommend that our listeners see this film in the theater? So, Daniel, do you recommend it? Absolutely, without a question. This movie is so much fun to see on a big screen. It was immersive. Like you guys were saying, it it felt so real, felt like it was shot on Mars. I mean, to see this on a big screen is a game changer. So, um, and, and the 3D is totally worth it. You, you, you know, I guess you could lose the 3D and you, you know, it won't hurt the movie, but, but seeing it in 3D and on a huge screen was an absolute blast. I loved watching it. So don't wait for DVD for this one. Try to catch it in theaters because it's totally worth the money. Awesome. Chris, do you recommend seeing this film? Uh, a thousand times, yes. Just like Daniel said, it's a thrill ride. See it on the biggest screen you can with the most people that you can. 3D, like he said, it won't detract. It'll only add to the experience. It's it is the reason why we have movies. It's the reason why fiction exists. It's, I love science fiction, and this is, this is the pinnacle of that. I asked Melody, I said I, th- I said, I think this might be my movie of the year. I really do. And then she said, well, Mad Max came out this year. And I was like, man, it's been a really good year for movies. Mm-hmm. Um, no and so We're just getting started. I yeah. know. But, I mean, those are, th- those are my wheelhouse, though. I mean, science fiction, action, Mad Max, and, and The Martian. I mean... It doesn't get any better. It doesn't. Go see it now. Chad, do you concur? I do, and I normally am actively campaigning against 3D. I mean, I've literally turned the corner where I don't watch movies in 3D. I didn't have the option in this case, and I'm so glad that I did. This is a movie that has to be seen in 3D. has to be seen, but should be seen in 3D on the biggest screen possible, just what these guys have said. It is... There's, I don't know any. I don't really know how you cannot like this movie if you are a good person, even if you're a bad person. It just, it just fills your fills your heart with hope and joy and goodness. So yeah, go see it. Indeed, I feel the same as well. Do it in the 3D. 3D was awesome. Go see it. Everyone has to see this movie. It's amazing. All right, let's go to spoilers. First rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? There's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führer's brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. In a dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. And then I woke up. I, I, that, this is the question that I had was, um, were there any holes in this movie that you thought, like, was there any point where you guys were lost, I guess, is my question. Because I felt like having knowing where all the holes were filled in, having read the book, were there any points where you guys were like, Boy, I don't, I don't know exactly where we're going here. Just felt like you were a little confused, or no. was it pretty clear? Yeah, that's good. That's I great. It was pretty clear. Oh, I mean, the, the one thing that I, I, you know, this movie's long, and 
I, I, I would have been fine if it were a little longer. I mean, there were a couple of places yeah, where, you know, it would jump forward seven months or nine mm-hmm. months or whatever it was. Right. And I was like, oh, I almost felt cheated. I was like, oh, I wanted yeah. to see what happened. You yeah, know, yeah. So, but I, I was never lost or, or confused. I just kind of felt like there was certainly more to the story that could have even made the experience a little better, which is what sort of what I was referencing earlier, not just about the problem solving, quote unquote, but just about the character uh, in general, just learning a little bit more about him and what what it was like on a day to day basis. But but yeah, I thought it was expertly done. Yeah, I was never confused. Was there any point Melody brought this up after we'd seen it? And um, this is just speaks to the the greatness of the way they shot this movie and edited it. But was there any point where you thought maybe uh, Mark would not be rescued? Was there a point where you felt like the tension was high enough where you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if this is that. I mean, it felt like that kind of movie, but I'm not exactly sure if we're going to lose him or not. Was there any of that moment, or did that detract from your experience in it at all? For me, I, that's I was thinking the whole time of how it was going to end. I figured Mark was going to live because otherwise, it was sort. I, I didn't know what the point of the movie would be if right. he didn't survive. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought somebody else was going to die. So the whole so near the end, I was like, okay, yep. who, who's, who's going to die? Who's going to die? Who, who yep. is it? And and um, so. I don't know. It, it all worked out in the end, and even though it's a you know a nice, happy, tied together ending, it you know it worked for me. So yeah, and that's yeah. what I was. That's yep. what I was re- referencing earlier is that I kept waiting for those conventions. Who's mm-hmm. going to die? Who's going to? When is this thing going to happen? And the fact that it did not was a joy to me because it subverted my expectations. I did not think, uh, or I wasn't certain that he would survive because I had no reference to the book. I actively avoided yeah. trailers. So I didn't know. I mean, I, I didn't know. I hoped that he would live, and uh, but I didn't know. Didn't know for sure. I was just going to ask Melody. I know that you you said that at the very end, that last sequence, you were. Yeah, I mean, I I, I felt like fully engaged with like great tension, and I I kept telling myself like, calm down, he's going to live. It's all going to be fine. <laughs> but like, I wasn't calm. I was very very engaged in in everything. And I mean, obviously, I didn't know. I hadn't I hadn't finished the book. But I did assume that he would live. But even still, it was every moment was beautiful and engaging and wonderful. And I will say <clears throat> what you guys were saying earlier about it being like a inspiring film. Like, I mean, seriously, the next day after we saw that movie was a really like just craptastic day in my life. And like I kept playing his little like speech at the end over and over in my head about you just take one problem and you solve it and then you just solve the next one. And like I was like playing his speech over in my head because it was just. That inspiring. It was wonderful. Matt Damon's performance, I already said it, I already read about his performance, but when he was sitting there in the rocket about to be rescued, his performance was just so honest. I really loved it. That was that was the yeah. best part of the performance for me when he when he broke down and man, that, that got me. Yeah. I was I was on the verge of tears right there. Yeah, I was and too. Mark Watney is who we all want to be. We want to believe that in that situation we would keep our head about us. We would use we would use logic, the tools that we've we've got, you know, at our disposal. We would have humor, and we would we would effectively not be selfish. He wanted to be rescued, but even at the end, even even when he was, he could see his crew members. He was still willing to give himself up if it meant one of them were going to to die. It was. It's yeah. just one of those things you just want to believe that you would be him. Yeah, I definitely I love the fact that as new problems arose, he always just kind of calmly tried to figure out what's the next step, even even when it was in crisis mode. But we were mm-hmm. talking about 
how inspirational it was and how honest that scene was for me at the very end. For me, the scene where he was talking to his crew and telling uh, telling them what to tell his parents if he didn't make it. For me, that was the oh. moment where I got choked up. Just from the just the delivery was so honest, and I loved the sentiment of what he said. Where he said, "If I don't make it, tell them that I died doing what I loved." And that I was great at it, and yeah. I just was like, "Oh, so good!" Because yeah. I mean, isn't that what we all want? I mean, I went out on top doing what I did, and I'm really good at it. And so yeah. it was just, just so moving. And that honestly, that's at that point is where I was really teetering. Like, well, he may die from the just from a character standpoint, but it was it was just beautifully done. And this this movie has so many moments that are unexpectedly funny and moving, just right yeah. right next to each other. It's just a just a beautiful film. Even with text, yeah. even in that, like, I think just a few scenes before that, he's talking with one of the other crew members, and they're just still cutting it up, you know, making fun of one another. Um, you know, you can tell that they had a real, really, like, I bought the fact that they were good friends, that they were crew right. members. Like, there wasn't a single moment in this movie was where false. I wasn't, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly, that I wasn't buying who these you know who these people yeah but that's were. that's what we would do i mean that's what i think i would do like if yeah. i was on there and you were on the ship and yes even if, I, it, were, if it were completely dire i would yeah. totally be busted on you and so and, and you would be right back exactly yeah that's, that's exactly and that that's what i at that moment I, I thought the same thing like josh chad and i would be having this conversation if any, any one of us were in that yeah. situation you know what i mean like we would be busting on each other it just it, it just felt true. It really did. It, it felt like this is a true thing. This is this is actually happening. Anyway, so I think we've gushed on this movie enough. Was there anything else we want to say that was spectacular? Daniel hasn't said anything. <laughs> well, a few things. Oh, I've said plenty. That, yeah. that movie is absolutely incredible. I've got nothing more to say. Awesome. There you go. All right. Everyone go see The Martian. It is wonderful. The end. You're listening to The Screeners Podcast. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to the screeners. You know, we've talked enough. Uh, so now it's your turn. Please go to Facebook and uh, comment on any of the articles that we post there. We'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, you know, that's what makes the show better. It, it really is. You know, let us know what you thought of this episode. Stop by our website, screenerspodcast.com, to read our show notes. You know, Josh does an awesome job with those. Last week, Daniel filled in. He did a great job. And I promise you, they're really worth reading. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into them. So please take a few minutes and go read those. They're really entertaining. They're funny. It's not just information. It is, uh, it's a lot more than that. We'd appreciate your comments uh, on anything that we've talked about this episode. And we look forward to seeing you again on the next episode of The Screeners. Thanks, guys. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.